going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. What's up, man? How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. I heard this for the first time in a while this weekend. I can get into that guitar. Yeah. I love that rhythm. Is that a maraca? Yeah. It's going to be a shake, uh, maybe a little shaker. I couldn't do that because I would just get so into that guitar, I would just stop and just listen to the guitar. Well, and I love the subtle, like, horns in the background. And I've listened in by a band called The Dramatics, and all their other stuff is kind of like Harold uh, Melvin and the Blue Notes. Uh, it's like old school soul music that's very heavily arranged and slow, but this one's like th- probably late 70s where they get a little funkier. It's got some George Clinton yeah. to it. Yeah, it's a really, really cool song. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I heard it. It's a show my brother introduced me to. It's on Showtime called I'm Dying Up Here or something like that. It's mm. about stand-up comics on Sunset at the cellar in the 70s. It's like Jim Carrey's an executive producer, so it's loosely based on like his life. Like One thing that actually happened to Jim Carrey is they showed up, and the only place he could get to stay was some dude's closet. And so like they had to pay rent, and it was like, yeah, this is the closet in my bedroom, so if me and my girl are, you know, doing that, wait till I finish. It's like, uh, alright! Like, we're really living the life, aren't we, guys? Great show. It's it's heavy, um, very heavy. I've been watching, but very funny too. Homeland, on yeah. Showtime. I've been told to watch that. I've never taken the plunge though. It's it's different than your usual sort of CIA get the terrorist show. Mm, okay, okay. Like the main character is like bipolar. Uh, it, yeah, it's there's a lot of. There's a lot more complexity and nuance than, say, something like Covert Affairs on USA, which is just, I can't tell people I work for the CIA. (laughs) There's a whole lot more nuance to it, so. Yeah, I was talking earlier today about Gina Haspel. At first, she looked like she was pulling her nomination to be the new CIA director. Now she's saying, I'm looking forward to the hearings. But there are a lot of Democrats, Dianne Feinstein included, and Rand Paul on the Republican side are like, yeah. You weren't just following orders. You ran the waterboarding program. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to have a lot of questions for you. Did they ask her if it was going to be a quote-unquote advanced hearing? <laughs> because that's what they called that interrogation method. They called it an advanced... Enhanced. Uh, enhanced, enhanced. Yeah, excuse me, yeah. Well, yeah, there, and I mentioned this earlier today, but uh, one guy, Christopher Hitchens, he's known near the end of life for doing all his atheist debate stuff. Yeah. And, you know, on that front, I don't think he did the heavy lifting, like, in terms of philosophy, but he was uh, very entertaining to watch. Quite yeah. a orator. Um, but he supported the Iraq War. He initially supported waterboarding. There's all idea we got to... I mean, if you have valuable information, we got to get it from them by any means necessary, for the most part necessary. And so he said, before I keep going on saying this, though, I want to be waterboarded. Is it really just simulated drowning, just enhanced? I mean, because some of our soldiers do it in their training. Well, yeah, they're soldiers who do it in training because if they get caught, they might have this done to them. And they need to learn to endure torture. But Hitchens went to a very undisclosed place, I believe, in Smoky Mountains, and it had to be undisclosed. And on the video, the guys doing it to him are trying to waterboard people or wearing masks because apparently what they're doing is illegal. It's like, I want to do it so I can write a story. And they gave them a few ways to say, tap out. Like they had like steel rods that would make a lot of noise that he would hold, hold in his left hand. And if he dropped them, they would stop. The way it would work, they're like, okay, what we're going to do is put a towel over your face, and we will do one pour, little pour, little pour, little pour. Towel over your face at a decline. Yes, yes, a slight decline. So it's going into your nostrils, blocking your mouth, blocking your your passageways to take in oxygen to the body. And uh, Hitchens, the first time, didn't last but a few seconds. And he's like, oh, my father was a naval officer in the you know, British Empire. I thought I'd have the good old Hitchens stock in me, so I'll give it another go. It didn't last very long either. And it's all on video. You can see it. And the way he describes it, he's like, it is not simulated drowning. It is you are slowly drowning. Like, And your whole body and brain is going, you are about to die if this keeps up. And the reason they do little pour after little pour is because if you poured the whole jug of water onto that rag, you would drown somebody. So it is slow drowning. And to me, that is torture. I believe there's a guy at the Air War College, if he's willing to come on, I'd love to have him on the show, um, in Algeria in the 60s, one of the civil wars there, he was captured, and it was done to him. And he wrote a very moving piece in the National Interest. Uh, publication online, nationalinterest.org, talking about his experience and what it was like. He's saying this is uh, torture. Now, they did more things to him in the 60s Algeria, too. They beat him. And then all the all these things. So to see people like Dianne Feinstein, who Feinstein led an investigation a few years ago when Obama was still president and John Brennan was the CIA director, into what happened during those enhanced interrogation methods. And that's when the accusation came out, and I think it did in fact happen, that John Brennan used CIA assets or maybe NSA assets to spy on the senators and what they were up to. So when we talk deep state and all this stuff, yeah, I don't get so deep into the conspiracy theories, but yes, there is a professional class of people in intelligence, in military, other bureaucracies, that when you try to change or look into what they've done, uh, they will push back. Especially the intelligence agencies. Right. Uh, Justin Amash, like, 
said that when you go in, they're like, well, we give these guys briefings. Is it, it's like a game of 20 questions with them. If you say, "Do you have you taught a bear to dance? They'll be like, um, maybe. It's, it's you have to like distinguish is it a black bear or a brown bear what particular type of dance they will just give you the runaround and because you're in the dark you can't figure out specifics and you can't leave any can't leave the room with any information because it's so heavily classified so it's not like you can really study this stuff um, it that whole that whole program makes me nervous I mean it's amazing. The amount of information I'm sure they can collect. It's amazing the amount of information, I mean, private companies are collecting on people. And that, I don't know. That part doesn't make me that nervous. Like the Facebook, Google stuff. It's like, all right. So you do, you don't, it doesn't bother you that they're, they're selling you? You are the product? No. I mean, it doesn't bother me. The same advertisers have always sold, like, we have this many listeners, they're this age, they're this demographic, in whatever way. Now online, it's moved less towards the traditional age breakdown, men, women, race breakdowns to more, what are your interests? And I don't mind that so much. If they use that information in uh, a nefarious way, yeah, that bothers me. A la Cambridge Analytica? See, when I saw that story, I was like, wait, a political party and a campaign tried to collect information on voters in order how to reach voters and get them to vote for them. I was a little like, all right. It's a little more specific than that, though. Well, they were using specific apps that people were signing up to. There was no limit if one of your friends on Facebook used that app they could then get into your information and interest and then target you in particular ways with different marketing campaigns to get you to go vote yeah not to mention the, the psyops well it didn't bother me because i don't vote especially not for presidents it's like i've taken a vow of political celibacy it's like you can try you can try i might vote locally but for president of the united states no you don't get my consent you don't. Like, what you guys want to do, even if somebody was singing my tune, it's like, oh, yeah, I really like that guy. That guy. That gal. Hot. What they're telling me, I'm getting all hot and bothered. Like, there's some libertarian idealism coming out of that person's mouth. I'm even at a point where it's like, okay, get in and sit behind the Oval Office desk. Like, yeah, you're really going to bring about great things in the world. So I don't pretend like I have much say in those things. And they can try to manipulate me and all this stuff. Go ahead. But if somebody, like, I needed new boots. This one company, I search for boots, and now they target me with ads for boots. Some of these companies, their boots are $250. No, I'm not buying your boots. They're amazing boots. Amazing. You're just not going to spend 250 bucks on boots? Right. Especially if I can't hold them and smell them and, you know. Well, I don't know why I would smell them. But I found new boots just going to a store. And they were only like 30 bucks. Okay. And they're okay. comfy. Yeah, yeah, I see the zipper on the side. Yeah. Well, usually I have a, a, you know, my pant leg, especially when I'm not holding my leg up. Yeah, that zipper has a tassel button. Yeah, and it's got memory foam soles. And I just went to the store and I could try them on. That's 
And with clothes, unless it's like a t-shirt, I'd like to be able to go try it on. Yeah, especially if it's shoes. Right. Shoes are super important. Very important. You don't want to get a callus. Well, not uh, blisters. Oh, it's terrible. Like, when I was playing soccer, there was only certain brands that I would wear because the rest of them would just tear my feet up. Man, man it's just miserable. But, yeah, so the, all the information farming, uh, it doesn't bother me that much. The government doing it bothers me more than private companies because, at the end of the day, Google doesn't have guns and the ability to come tax me. So, there's that. They don't have a monopoly on, legal monopoly on violence. And what if they sell that? information to the government. Well, and they are. They're working with the government to cover their butt. Because the government's like, you better cooperate or we'll make you. So, it's all working in tandem. Like, and it drives me up a wall uh, in that regard. But, again, what am I going to do? One thing that worries me is doxing. Yeah. And so, I guess my approach now is, like, it'd be a little shameless. Like, Obviously, don't do anything terrible. Well, what do you do um, if, let's say, the government puts out a bill and there's an open forum on it, and it's something you don't support at all, and all of a sudden your name with your information pops up with a statement supporting it because they stole your information and then they just stole your identity. Or they did it, they used your mom's identity. Right. I would be pretty mad. Yeah. That's, that happens a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. How are we going to stop it? I can only control what I can control. That's why I deleted Facebook. Hmm. And, you know, and if they want to rip my Netflix stuff, they're going to be like, wow, this, guy's, this guy really likes espionage and superheroes. Well, and for me, it's like, wait, look at all this nasty adult content Joey's looked at. I'm like, well, I've been single most of my yeah. life. Why are you interested in all that about me? I mean, I think a big point, what my point is, is if somebody tried to embarrass me in an overt way, it's like owning if I made a mistake on something, all right, it's not the end of the world if all sorts of people see it. Yeah. And if you're trying to take something out of context, it's like, well, I know it's not true. I don't care what other people think in that regard. Like, and if I have to go live somewhere else and live a humble little life, fine. <laughs> Like, life goes on. You know, I thought we were going to talk about woodworking. Woodworking? The humble life of woodworking. Well, I was sharpening the knife this weekend. There's a man. He gets doxxed. Mm. He's got to go live a humble life. What does he do? Woodworking. Woodworking. Well, I was named after Joseph the Carpenter. Not the guy with the many-colored coat. Jesus's stepdad. That's uh, who I was named after. It's my Christian name. Hmm. Which I always thought, you know, Joseph's a pretty stand-up guy. He's good with tools. He can make you a hearty table that you'll cherish for generations. Chairs, stools. But he also was, like, very, like, well, Mary, I believe you that an angel visited you. <laughs> I had a dream, too. So, you know, I believe you. Anybody else would have been like, oh, out with you, you harlot. Yeah, the stoning would have happened. Yeah. No, but I ran across something, because we didn't get a chance. I don't want to go into all the plot and anything. We went and saw Infinity War the weekend it came out. Yes! And ran across 
an article today saying there's a guy who's been predicting doomsday scenarios since the late 60s. It was the same premise or motivation as Thanos. The world, he doesn't have the same solution. He's the same, here's the same basic problem they're recognizing. Uh, that the world is has you know finite resources, and there's a population bomb. I think the guy's named Paul Ehrlich or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like he predicted in the '60s that London couldn't exist by the year 2000. He predicted something in the '70s too. And what's happened is, yeah, population's doubled. We've gone or more than nearly doubled, 3.5 billion to 7.5 billion in the last few decades. Yet. Uh, the amount of land we use to produce more food has gone down. And if you modernize more and more farming methods, you could give back to nature whatever else you need to do. A land size comparable to the size of India. Uh, less people are in abject poverty, even starvation. With more people, we're actually still accomplishing all sorts of amazing goals to enrich people's well-being and standard of living. Mm-hmm. And I guess what, when it's like Thanos giving his whole, like, well, we gotta, we gotta, you know, deal with this population problem. And other people in real life saying we gotta deal with the population problem. Like, you're leaving out human ingenuity. You're leaving out the positive. Like, the world isn't static. <laughs> it's, it's like, all right, with Thanos, that was more of a universal thing. Like, he wanted, there was a population problem with, the universe. Right. And that's what he was trying to wipe out. But these people that, I mean, economists have this problem. Um, we have more people than we've ever had. We also have more people not working than we've ever had because there's not enough jobs to go around. And a lot of people retiring. Right. So how do we get those people to have a good life? Uh, you could put good in quotes, but... <laughs> That's where UBI comes from, universal basic income. Right. Economists try to tackle it not not in such a macabre way as in, we need to cull the population. Right. Well, some have, uh, well, in the real world, in history, like China had the sterilization programs, or they sterilized millions. Isn't it only Japan that actually has a declining population at the moment? I, or is they, the U.S. are we declining? No, the U.S. Time? is not. Japan does, and I think some parts of Europe are. Okay. To which my solution, like, and this is the people that get all up in arms. The Muslims are coming, and they're trying to colonize Europe peacefully by just moving here and setting up homes. Some of it's peaceful, some of it's not. Some of the views of, like, mainstream Muslim populations, I think, are the views that, say, people in the U.S. had. 100 or so years ago on things like... I'm sorry, dude. Sharia, Sharia law is not compatible with modern Western civilization. Oh, I, as it's understood by most Muslims, I agree. Absolutely. Um, but my point of view is, well, why don't you just how out-baby them? Not act like a baby, but like, have a lot of sex, have a lot of babies, Europeans. You can win this. That's a... You know, that's a that's a very good point, but wouldn't it just be easier, or it would certainly be easier in a in an out babying sense mm-hmm. if you helped integrate them a little more? Yes, France yeah. is the biggest example of what happens when integration goes wrong. And Belgium, they, they, but, yeah. and you know, it doesn't help that 
these the societies that they come from, whether it be because of Islam, which part of me sort of doubts, unless they're really, really conservative and follow Sharia law. The, but the incompatibility of like tribalism. Yes. They go to this new European country. They automatically segregate themselves. They create these enclaves. And yet, New York has tons of enclaves in all of its boroughs. Yes, and in the U.S., people assimilate better because there there just is that more assimilation, including people from the Middle East. Muslim tend to assimilate quicker into U.S. culture than any other culture. And there's, I think, a lot of reasons for it. I think the United States is still that, for lack of a better word, melting pot. And it always will be. I mean, then you can watch, like, Gangs of New York. and it's not always, <laughs> It doesn't always work out well. Um, but it's, it's really the first generation immigrants seem to integrate much better than the second generation and immigrants. A, and I'm not yeah. sure why that is. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's got a bunch of data yeah. that would help unpack that but this is all just speculation from do us. you think some of it's like the generations removed from the initial immigrants start idealizing either the motherland or the old time culture or something like that uh, that, I that i mean it stands to reason yeah and if you're gonna follow say occam's razor or something then yeah that seems that way it, it stands to reason that's probably the case yeah, it's just uh, the population questions. Like, we only have so many resources. I'm like, yeah, we only have so many resources. But again, like, when it comes to creating wealth, it's not so much the resource itself that makes us wealthy. Like, there's obviously certain resources have certain utilities to them and can be used for certain things. But what ends up creating, like, economic value and wealth is how human beings put it into use for themselves and others. And so, if something starts to be depleted, you find replacements. Uh, you find substitute products. And this happens all the time. Well, we were talking off mic about the opioid crisis. If you cut off legal painkillers, people tend to go f- try to find a substitute. And sometimes those substitutes, there's no quality control. They can't figure out what yeah. dosage they're using. Totally unregulated. Completely unregulated. Um, in, a, in a sense that even I was like a, in the most libertarian of my moments, there should be you know, impositions against fraud and poisoning and killing people, obviously. Yeah. So if you want to have basic means of checking, here's what's in this thing I'm giving you. It's not rat poison or it's not, well, that's not actually a Percocet that has fentanyl in it. Yeah, this, this heroin is, is not cut with fentanyl. That would be called murder if here, you did that to somebody. Here's your dosages that you could use. Right. This, these are approved scientific... Actually, I think in Sweden, you can get a prescription for heroin. Well, I'd imagine Sweden has less people dying than the United States because of that. Because it's regulated. And they're giving small dosages to people. Yeah. But then again, you know, we keep mentioning these countries, and there's really only, what, three or four or five countries that have a land mass similar to the United States of America Mm. with a population distribution that's similar. I mean, Russia, China, Brazil, Australia. India, maybe? Yeah, I, well, I'm not sure about their population distribution. Right. Okay, I see what you mean. Uh, in in terms of uh, like across the geography. Well, in, in terms of density. 
Oh. So for us, the Midwest and the si- just looking at the size of the counties, not as in terms of population, but in, in terms of square area mm. per person, yeah, is we're we're on the coast. We're all along the coast. East, west, south. Australia, all the way along. Because the middle is just a giant desert. Right. China, for the most part, on the east. Yep. Um, Russia, obviously, not up north because it's super freaking cold. tundra. Right. Um, Well, in Russia, you can't really compare a population because their population... Like, we've been replenished with the millennial generation... Right. In a way, Russia is getting old and life expectancy is really low. Um, it's pretty bad there in that regard. But the oligarchs are happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, they did that whole thing just terribly. Are you talking about what happened over the weekend? Um, oh, you talking? No, I wasn't. I was talking about after, like, the wall comes down, Yeltsin takes over. Oh. <laughs> and instead of, like, actually going, hmm, who did people get taken from? How can we give. You divest money back to the population. Instead, they did like this highest bidder thing to guys well connected to the government. I'm like, that's fascism. Like, my God. And well, that happened a little bit in the U.S. land grants too. It's, <laughs> I mean, but it's if, if if it's easier to do it that way, then it's easier to do it that way. From a human perspective, no one's going to want to put in that hard work to make sure everybody has equality. When you could just yeah. turn to your buddy and be like, okay, you get all this oil. Like, well, here's the companies. Um, here's the people. Here's the mob that you have to pay. Oh, wait. You are the mob now. Uh, so you're good. Yeah. Here, just take this. I was And over the weekend, though, Putin being his new term, 18th year's president of Russia, there were protests that Russia put down. Yeah. Arrested they, like a thousand people probably killed a few people yeah i think it was over three thousand people and i mean that doesn't seem like a lot but it was three thousand people all over the country right and so i think and they arrested arrested navalny again i think <laughs> well of course <laughs> better take out the opposition well what scare that's where russia scares the hell out of me is like you know putin was got his new term like the new inauguration or whatever uh, for the new term It was in where the czars used to be crowned. And so I think in Putin's mind, and he might have a point to this, is if you try to run Russia like a Western democracy, it just falls into mobs, like literally mafias. Like the organized crime runs the country. Mm -hmm. Because that country for centuries has been run by some sort of like godhead czar. And then was run by Stalin for a while, where he pretty much set himself up as the new god, even though he's technically an atheist materialist. I mean, and so, and then Russia falls to a Yeltsin, and that transition doesn't go fantastically. Though, if you look at initially Putin's run, he's doing that sort of thing. I mean, what does he want? He wants a Eurasian trading block. Um, he's not doing it very well, and that was the whole fight over Ukraine. But in Russia, it's orthodoxy. He bails the church all the time. It's that's, autocracy. That makes it easier to control people. I mean, it Turkey does. took one look at Russia and went, we're doing that. Yep. And though it seems sensible, so to speak, I'm doing the air quotes, sensible in the short run, uh, setting up a society that 
surrounds a cult of personality. Like well, what China's doing too with Xi. Yeah. It is it makes it a very fragile system in the long run. It's uh, I think there's a really popular TV show on Netflix that sums it up. Hmm. House of Cards. Oh yeah. It's yeah. a House of Cards. But there's there's this thing I've been thinking about a lot recently and it's I can't phrase it the right way. I can't decide whether hypocrisy of convenience is better or convenience of hypocrisy. Mm. As in, there is a scale of convenience and hypocritical thought in terms of how you speak to people and convey ideas. And I see this a lot in the government. If it's a lot easier for them to be convenient... Or for if if it's a lot more convenient for them to be hypocritical, hypocritical, they will be hypocritical. Yeah, and you see it all the time on these news shows. Oh, of course. Well, because here's the thing, and we were talking about how people communicate. Like right now, I think you and I are doing a little bit of both. What we were talking about, we're conveying some information to each other, but we're also thinking out loud. Right, we're kind of working things out. But imagine you and I were trying to win a game. And the way we win the game is by convincing everybody listening to us who's better, Troy or Joey. The conversation changes immediately. Yeah, and when you do that, when you make it a game, the sharing of ideas automatically, it, 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 it makes those ideas a lot more valuable to the individual rather than shared. Shared. And it makes... Th- because you and I, if we brainstormed a method of control... Mm. it would be a lot easier for us to come up with a, a solution between the two of us that would be much more effective than each one of us trying to control a particular a subset of, right. of people. But that's the way our system's set up. It's like the guy Hannity and Rachel Maddow on their respective cable news shows, they're not trying to convey honest information with an open mind. I'm sorry, they're not. They're trying to convey information that helps their interest with the party they identify with. Have I ever told That's you that the game. I, I want to see Sean Hannity with Rachel Maddow's haircut? Yeah. And Rachel Maddow with Sean Hannity's haircut? I think she'd look good with the salt and pepper. Yeah. 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 I think so. And I, Hannity could... He, he certainly aged a couple of years, you know? That new hair? Mm-hmm. Pep him right back up. For some reason, I just thought of this. You know what I was watching over the weekend? Hmm. Psych. Yes, that's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, dude. that's where I was watching yeah. it. And it was, uh, and we got to hit a break here. We're, already, we're just chatting past the break. Uh, <laughs> the one where they're investigating the soap opera murder, where it was supposed to be a prop knife. Yeah. But the guy, it was a real knife, and the guy accidentally just stabs the guy through the heart on camera. And so Sean Spencer, the psych ick, uh, ends <laughs> up being, uh, he ends up getting cast in the soap opera. And just the, the makeup to put on, K. Like, yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a telenovela, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so fun. I love that damn show. That's such a good show. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, have you? I have not yet. We should do that one weekend. Yeah. Just watch the movie. Talk psych. I'm like, uh, it's the little things that put me in a good mood. Really is. Well, because uh, you know, I was reading a blog earlier today. Happy, you know, he said, "Have you ever heard the phrase money won't make you happy? Money can't buy happiness." He said, "That's a good point, but replace money with anything else, like friendship, family, like any one of those things. If you're expecting it to make you happy on its own, it's like no, 
happiness is this delicate balance of all sorts of things in life. Man, that sounds exactly like what Thanos said, except he wanted to just... I mean, that's why he wanted to kill half the population of the universe. Balance. Well, that's what made him such a compelling bad guy. He wasn't He wasn't completely insane. I think his premise was insane, and then he followed from it. <laughs> it yeah. And it was, it's a lot more convenient and a lot less heartbreaking to just snap your fingers and wipe out half a population than it is to go to each and every individual planet, sort of cull the herd. I, that movie sticks with me still. Yeah, it's great. Like Brandon downstairs said he saw it, and I'm like, how did you, you think? He's like, it was phenomenal, but it made me sad. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to do. Well, we got to hit a break. We'll be right back. Troy's back. I feel good. I look good, too, if I could say so humbly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You look good, too. I like that timber shirt. Yeah. It was a laundry day. (laughs) Be right back, folks. Joey Clark. First time I heard this song was in a Parks and Rec truck. We just gotten paid. This came on. Everybody in the truck's like, "You don't know the backstroke." <laughs> and we we're all just a good mood because we just got paid. Oh, I love that damn song. That bass is so funky. <sighs> now I mentioned to you off air, Infinity War. Brilliant commentary on the nature of sacrifice. I think we, it's become a bit of a platitude, like you need sacrifice in life for, uh, you know, getting ahead. And I'm like, yeah, in a basic way, sure, self-sacrifice, maybe giving up a present good for and going through some pain for something greater later. Yes, completely agree with that. But throughout my human history, there's been a lot of sacrificing, and it's usually not the good kind. Right. And so, do do you really want to get into this game of should we trade lives or is it more a matter of individual choice for the betterment of other people? I think somebody can give themselves up if they wish. It seems like with the Russo brothers, those are the guys that directed Infinity War. <clears throat> and they've directed Marvel movies going all the way back to Captain America Winter Soldier. I think they did Civil War as well. Yes. And they're doing the next Infinity War. Um, at least in Civil War... Much like in Infinity War, there's a theme. And each character in their own arc sort of touches on that theme. Yes. Like in Civil War, it was being pushed and not moving. This is where I'm going to stand. And each character on Cap's side has an instance where they're told to move and they say no. Yeah, and they push back. 
Well, it, it, it's as simple as like the first time Falcon meets Bucky, and they're in the backseat of the car. Our Bucky's in the backseat of the car. He tells Falcon to move his seat forward. Falcon says no. <laughs> yeah, so it can be comedic. As, yeah. It can be as simple as that, or it could be Tony telling Cap to get out of the way because Tony wants to kill Bucky mm-hmm. after finding out what Bucky did to his parents. Right. And Cap doesn't move. It it can be a simple thing, or it can be a really complex thing. But they all have this theme that each character touches on, and I think we see this in Infinity War too. It at least with regards to sacrifice. Mm. I won't say more. Obviously, I give it away too much. Right. But I do. I remember at the end of the movie when we saw it, your brother turned around and looked at us, and he he didn't say anything. He was just he just looked at us like he wanted a reaction from us. And you and I were both like we just kind of nodded at him. And then I turned to you and I was like, that hurt a lot worse than I thought it would. Yes. It hurt. Is it true they pulled off an epic tragedy mm-hmm. without giving away the scene? There, I have like I told you, I watched some of that Troy Fall of a City. It's on Netflix. Right. And they're more true to the Iliad. Um, and there's one scene where Agamemnon wants to cross over from Sparta to Troy, and because when they showed up on the beach, they didn't offer a sacrifice initially. I think to Artemis, the goddess. Um, and I'm like, well, you're going to have to do an ultimate sacrifice. And if you're going to war to kill thousands, you need to understand the cost of war. And the sacrifice they Artemis demands of Agamemnon is sacrifice your daughter. And he does it. And it's just like, why it seems so crazy and insane, but... It's in terms of fiction, when you're telling a myth, telling, creating a useful fiction, uh, it does bring out here is how costly war is and also how it's often not worth it. Like you end up regretting trying to go for these great things in war, um, especially when you're the aggressor. <laughs> and so... I, I thought Infinity War, without giving everything away, almost took every angle possible on what it means to sacrifice in life and did a brilliant job of not only, you know, it didn't hit you over the head with lessons. I think we're reading into it, obviously. Yeah. Um, they also made it a, a great, entertaining, fun action movie, very funny like Drax, yeah. He's there were there were oh, some so good. some parts in that movie that were absolutely hysterical. Yes, like I Dave Batista, him being him Drax, yeah, and then him and Drax, and then Mantis, yes, th- them working off each other. So they're both, uh, we'll we'll just say they're English second language kind right. of people. Um, the way they use their words, <laughs> it is perfect, and you know the also the. Guardians movies are about this, but uh, this movie brings it out, like the conversation between Thor and Rocket. How you deal with loss. Like, do you deal with loss by being like, well, I'll go find more, or do you deal with loss in the sense of it's kind of, uh, well, destiny. Like, it's meant to be. If I'm still here and it seems like everything's been taken away from me, I may have something left to do. 
I don't know if I believe that personally by any means. Well, I'm like, that's a pretty cool way to think about it. I don't know. There is a truth to the, some people use it as a critique, that uh, comic book superhero movies are kind of the new polytheism. And, and I don't think it's really a new polytheism because we don't literally believe in Thanos and Thor and all these folks. But they do teach lessons in the same way that, say, Greek mythology teaches lessons. Right. Or in Marvel's case, Norse mythology. Right. Um, the the relationship between Odin, Thor, and Loki in Norse mythology, the actual mythology, is very complex and complicated. And so when we see Thor just kind of shrug off Loki being a backstabber all the time, and in Ragnarok making jokes about how Loki knows that he hates snakes, so he like turned into a snake and bit him. Like those kind of things. They're in, in Norse mythology their relationship is so complicated and so complex and over such a large period of time yes. that they can shrug those things off. And Marvel does a really good job of showcasing that, at least from my perspective. Now Marvel also has some Greek gods yeah. in their sort of retinue, like Ares and Hercules. But the only Greek gods so far we've seen have been in the DC universe, and that was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah. And I guess she fought Ares. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I love the movie. I've seen it three times. I encourage people who like Marvel movies, why have you not seen this yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, watch Captain America, the first one. I've, I didn't remember the movie. Fantastic movie. The yeah. relationship between him and uh, Agent Carter... My brother made the point. It's like, what was it about, like, the 40s style with women? It was so sexy. Like, because, damn. Yeah. I think, wow. It, I mean, it, it really helps that the actress they got to play Peggy Carter was stunning. True. True. Now you're setting up unreal, unrealistic expectations of what women look like. Well, that woman looks that way. We're setting up unrealistic expectations. No. Captain America lifted a car. Right. <laughs> I don't look like Cap. Every, I don't look like... Uh, everything about these movies is unrealistic. Right. I don't look like Thor. I wish I'd look like Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. Seriously. But that's not going to happen. That guy's a tasty dish. It's not if in I the cards. If I could be a tasty dish like that... Well, it's Australians, man. You think so? Yeah. Forged in the fires of a desert. Margot Robbie's Australian. Hot. Yeah. There's two new chicks in the WWE who are helping out Carmella, the crown princess of SmackDown Live. I always thought Marina Baccarin, the chick from Deadpool. she Australian? No, she's Brazilian. Oh, well, that, there goes that theory. Right, but I thought she was American, found out she was Brazilian, I was like, I get it now. Mm, okay. Brazil also has beautiful men and women. Maybe you're just attract. maybe we're just being like the, doing the othering, like the exotic look. I'm like, no, but they're Americans who are hot too. I saw a hot chick at the grocery store. So, yeah, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then last week, the running question was like, why do men, so many men, only appreciate women, as the questioner put it, for their meat suits and not their mind? And I was like, the long and short of my answer is, well, we do both. That's at least what I do. I like women physically. It's not, I'm not going to shake that. And But also, if somebody's dumb as a post, I get 
pretty bored pretty quickly. That's a loaded question as well. I mean, mm-hmm. why would you ask that question and not specifically mention the time period of which you're talking about? Mm. Like, if you're asking somebody, why do men value women as a meat suit? Right. Was that what he said? A meat suit? Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's weird, but that's what she why, said. What? Oh, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. That's not a joke either. Right. Okay. That's what the, the, so, pers- the so questioner was female. The, the questioner said, why do men value women for their looks, basically? Right? Yeah, over their minds. And she didn't specify the time period of which that you were given to judge? Mm. Because I'm not shouting at a woman from a distance and getting to know her. I can, however, look at her from a distance sure. and evaluate her physical looks. Yeah. And, and women do it to men. You know. They do. There's been a couple of times where a woman, and this is not just my mom. Has told me I have a nice butt. Oh wow! Yeah. In fact, have you ever had your butt pinched by a stranger? I have. By women? Yes. Okay. And men too. Oh, good lord! Well, look, hey, I, I'm taking at this point. I'm taking compliments from anywhere I can get. Yeah, it's flattery. Yeah. Well, no, I saw a uh, Rusev who's Happy Rusev Day. He's a big. Uh, he's supposed to be heel in wrestling, but I saw a Instagram post where it's him and his wife at a gay bar, and it's a drag show, and she like leans over and go. They they like your butt. And his response, oh, awesome. I like my butt, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's this big Bulgarian dude. Oh, it's so funny. And that's kind of, take it as flattery. Like, don't actually assault me. Like, you're, I'm one of the Beatles. Right. And that doesn't happen to me. But if somebody comes up and, you know, tweaks me, whatever. It's like, take it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel threatened by it. Yeah, which I suppose would be... A difference between men and women. Oh yes, at that point, and I think there's a real one for sure. Yeah, I mean, it would be a lot easier for a woman to feel threatened by a man yes. if, if that sort of engagement occurred. Well, I'm glad we uh, solved that here now. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Let's get our backstroke on. Thank you for listening, folks.